Hello brothers and sisters, I'm sitting here with Pastor Bob Collins, one of the biggest influences in my life, and I asked him if he would sit down so we could have a conversation and do an interview about his life, his life in ministry, and get this recorded so that you all can listen to it and understand why I, I hold Pastor Bob in such high regards. So, Pastor Bob, if you could please open us with a bit of prayer. Certainly will. <clears throat> now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Father, we come to you this day relying upon your spirit to bring to us the memories and the words expressing the memories of our walk in faith that will help others to understand a life, an ordinary life that grew in faith over the years and, and brought me, my life, to your throne of grace. And I pray through that life, through mine, may have affected others. Father, bless my brother Danny Bless his walk, which has been already at this point an incredible walk. And bless this time together that it may touch those who listen. And I ask it all in the name of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So please tell us a little bit about young Bob. Where, where he grew up, what kind of family you grew up in, your mother and father's occupations, your, you had brothers and sisters. Yeah, I've given that a lot of thought, and, and I want to begin that by saying I grew up in a family that, to my understanding at the time, and I don't know if that's changed or not, but was a family of faith. Uh, my father, I learned, grew up in the Congregational Church. And, and of course, at that time, since he was born in 1907, was was very, very uh, conservative. And my mother grew up in the Methodist Church, which at, she was born in 12, was also conservative. They had some differences, but they, they settled them. They, we were raised in the Methodist Church. It was not the United Methodist Church at the time. But it, interestingly enough, even though as I got a little older, uh, we had a pastor who was not conservative, who if anything was way off the wall. He believed in spiritism. But still, still in all, the, the atmosphere I grew up in, in Sunday school and church, and we went to Sunday school every Sunday and church every Sunday, was still that the word was reliable. And when I went through the expected confirmation class at the age of roughly 12, mm -hmm. and, and it was presented to us that when we were confirmed, we truly needed to accept Christ. 
And I did. Um, I had a very deep-seated feeling for the Word, for the Lord, and for the fact that, that someday that was going to mean more, even more to me. And a little as I got just a little older, we had a uh, a youth pastor, an associate pastor, mm-hmm. and he was in seminary in Evanston, Illinois at the time. Garrett Theological, very uh, or no, I'm taking it back. He was a Chicago Theological, a very um, leaning toward liberalism already. And I told him that I felt I had a call to serve the Lord. His response was, oh, you're, too, you're too young to know. Just don't worry about it. You can't possibly. Wow. can't possibly know that at that age. Wow. Um, over time, my mother ended up as a church secretary in that church. My father worked in the First National Bank of Chicago 42 years. Only job he ever had was out of college because he didn't get drafted for the World War II. And that was simply because of the fact that as they kept raising the requirement for how many children you had to have to be deferred, quite coincidentally, he, mom and dad kept having another <laughs> child. You know, first it was two, and then it was three, and my sister was the third, and so he ended up... So 42 years straight out of, of college. Um, however, because mom worked as church secretary and brought home all kinds of tales of the inner workings of the organization known as the church, <laughs> fights, problems. Um, I reached a point by the time I was 16 that I was pretty disgusted with the church. Mm-hmm. And by the time I hit 18, I stopped going. Although I still had a very solid faith in, in the Lord, but the church bothered me. I didn't want to have anything to do with people who were like that. And if that's what was going to be going on in the church, I didn't want it. Right. Now, I had a girlfriend at the time in high school who was a good rock-solid Baptist, speaking of that earlier. <laughs> and uh, at our graduation, at a graduation party, All of her friends were there, her other friends, who happened to be Baptist. I was the only Methodist. And somehow, Lord only knows how, the the uh, subject of baptism came up. Wouldn't you know? Right. At a party. At a party with Baptists. So I staunchly stuck to the line of infant baptism was allowed. And of course, that was anathema to them. And I tried the argument, you know, well, that means the top of the head's all that counts. <laughs> they didn't go very far. <laughs> but we are, the argument got so hot and so heavy that that totally turned me off to organized religion. Totally. Because mm-hmm. I thought, if we're going to argue so long and so hard, and I'm going to lose friends at the age of 18 over something like that, then there's something wrong. Right. And uh, so I went for many years with that from then on, with that in the back of my mind. But still, I 
trusted in the Lord. Because at the age of 16, two years before that argument happened, um, for two weeks I had a very strong, very, a very strong, they got more, stronger and stronger conviction that something bad was going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And my best friend that I grew up with, John Frazier, and I had a, a way of, of, of coming up with the Boy Scouts of, of coming up from Chicago where I grew up. By the way, that I grew up in the inner city of Chicago, Hyde Park. Um, and we would come up and stay at family cottages at Bass Lake and go from there to near Irons to the uh, what's called Ward Hills. It was affiliated with Camp Martin Johnson, YMCA, Chicago. Mm -hmm. And we'd ski. And we came up on one weekend with the scouts, and I had this stronger and stronger premonition, if you will. Something was going to happen. Well, we Saturday morning <clears throat> went up to ski, and uh, my favorite hill, hill number five, was closed. The backside, number four, was okay, they said. It wasn't as steep, and it wasn't a big bowl like five. But they said five is closed, it's too dangerous. Well, all you had to do is turn around and you'd face five, turn around and you'd face four from the top. Well, I got to the top and I looked down five and I thought, I want to go down that hill. Because I know something's going to happen on that hill and I want to know what it is. Uh-oh. Well, as I took off, I said to John, if I make it down, go ahead and follow me. If not, don't don't get down the hill. And I shoved off and I said, well, here goes nothing. Literally. Well, I found out why it was closed. There was ice underneath about two inches of powder. And I could not, for the life of me, get my skis to grip enough to turn. And I was going straight down, and I was going faster and faster. I tried stem turns. I tried dragging my pole and stem turning, nothing. And I was going so fast. I'd never gone that fast. I was flying 65, 70, I don't know. Wow. So I was dragging my right ski pole and my left, kind of in a shush attitude where you kind of get in a crouch because I figured if I'm going to go straight, I'm going to get some spring in my legs and go. And I had these J.C., not J.C. Petty, J.C., yeah, J.C. Higgins skis from, from Sears mm -hmm. and ski poles. Well, the poles were real solid. I mean, they weren't solid, but they were strong. And they were, they were, I don't remember if they were some kind of an extruded aluminum or if they were stainless steel. I mean, they were solid. And the handles were bolted on wide thick straps for the wrist of course i had the wrist strap on mm -hmm. so if i fell i didn't lose it right and uh the basket at the bottom didn't have leather that would pull or rubber it had leather heavy leather so the baskets weren't coming off and that right hand one caught on something under the snow and i went from whatever that speed was 
to an instant stop all around, based around my right arm and right shoulder. And I did, I don't know, I think it was three cartwheels. It might have been one, but it, I was flying around and around and around. And the next thing I knew, I was on my back, ski pole still caught on the hill, with my arm underneath me between my legs. And I couldn't move. I hurt so bad, my head pointing straight downhill. And uh, I laid like that for 45 minutes or more before they could finally get to me to release that and get me down the hill. But the long and the short of it was that I ended up seeing, well, they, they x-rayed in, in Ludington and, oh, nothing's broken, you're fine. Came home and I couldn't, the arm was dead, hand was dead. Ended up going to a neurosurgeon and a neurologist and they said, you've torn all the muscles and all the, all the nerves in the back of your shoulder apart. You'll never ever use that arm again, don't try. Mm -hmm. Well, I was not going to believe in that, and I was believing that the Lord was going to let me use it. But it was up to me to do my part. So I ended up making a, a homemade barbell. I took a three-pound coffee can, filled it with cement, put a pipe in it, let it hard and turn it over, made the other side, and I, I tried working it. Well, the left arm would do fine, the right arm just going to flop. And at the same time, I was I was in a sling most of the time. I was supposed to leave it there, and and I caught a tennis ball, and I start trying to move my hand to make it squeeze. And gradually, I got to where I could make a fist, and then I started squeezing the ball and working this this barbell, and within a year, I could pick up three hundred pounds and wow. curl it, and I know. I knew it was because the Lord didn't want to leave me in that position. I didn't know why, but I knew that it was for him. But that was before this 18-year-old fight. Uh -huh. So still, I was trusting in the Lord, but didn't want, to, didn't want to touch the church. I had enough. Totally. Walking away. So from there... Obviously, you went back in and at some point decided to go back. Did you go back to church prior to being feeling really called the ministry? And I probably, let me just leave it at that. I went to college, didn't go to church all through the college years, graduated college. Got married, didn't go to church. My wife got cancer, ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. Just hung in with the Lord, but didn't go to church. Moved up here uh, then in 1973, because I had been working at O'Hare Field and she had been working there. Both of us with airlines, 27 mile commute that could take anywhere from 35 minutes to two hours, depending upon the weather and the traffic. Right. And I got thoroughly sick of that. She had finished all of her radiation therapy and, and was healing and mending and you know, going through her surgery. So I said, well, let's, let's move up to Michigan because I know I like Western Michigan. So we moved up and first we were buying a trailer 
uh, just outside of Scott, between Scottville and uh, um, Custer. And ended up then buying a little house up on North Stiles. And within a couple of years, when we'd finally been married for seven years, which was the breaking point where an adoption agency would allow you, would, would consider you for adoption. Right. So we ended up going up to Traverse City. <clears throat> there was an agency there. And uh, ended up adopting a little boy, Paul. At that point, uh, had the conviction he should grow up in the church. Okay. And it was her, her conviction as much or more than mine. So we started going to church in Lonington and were blessed with a pastor named Reverend William Collins. No Same relation. as my brother, but no relation. And he was a very, very staunch Bible-believing pastor, which is exactly what I needed. Right. He began without my knowledge or, or without my realizing, kind of mentoring me. At one point, we were leaders in the in the youth group, adult leaders of, of the youth group, um, and I was I was we first moved up. Two weeks, I worked in a foundry in Lonington. Then I got the job working at the lumber yard. Uh, Samuel Lumber just built their, what at the time was their new office and yard just outside of Ludington, where it is now. Mm-hmm. Ended up working there, learned the art of estimation, estimating for a house building through an older man named Ira Hopkins, who was a neat old buzzard. And uh, worked there for about a year and, and wanted to get deeper into building. There was a man coming in who had built my parents' house and he was starting his own company again after having left the company he was working with, but kind of being on his own. But, mm-hmm. So I ended up working with him and for him then became his the foreman of his crew. Um, and one day, it was winter, we had a job it was a, a major remodel, uh, and it was on just uh, off of Lake Michigan, north just a little ways of the family property. A real steep hill to get in, and steep, steep because it was up and down dunes basically the road. So it would snow, and we could, it could take us an hour and a half, two hours to just get over the, main, the first hill to get into the, the area mm-hmm. every day. But uh, it was a Friday night. And we had had fresh snow, and I I didn't leave my tools in over the weekend in case somebody break in and steal them, or not the major ones. So I had a, a a cardboard box, a large one, full of power tools, and I was carrying it in front of me going up the hill to get to my where our truck my truck was parked, and my foot slipped, and it just instantly crushed the disc. Oh. And uh, it went from bad to worse. Yeah, I ended up having a laminectomy in Traverse City. 
to try to fix it so I couldn't work. Well, they were telling me all the stuff about you'll never lift more than 20 pounds again and on and on. Heard that story before. Yeah, so I went back to work and it just got worse and worse and worse. Doctor up there telling me I was just being a baby with pain. No reason you should have that kind of pain. It's all, it's all just a baby. Well, I knew that wasn't true. Having grown up in Chicago, I had friends who were connected with the University of Chicago Hospital. So they urged me to come down there, and I did that. Just six months later. Mm -hmm. This happened in, in like October, and about April, I went down to Chicago, and uh, they checked it out and said, well, um, you, you need another laminectomy because um, you're not going to get better without it. So they did a second one, and they told me that there was a piece, a broken piece of the other disc had gotten left in the channel for the spinal column, and it was impinging all the nerves. Wow. The guy had missed it. And so they took that out, but they said to me, your back is a mess. There can never be a third surgery. You're going to have to live with what you got. Well, during this process, the six months when the last two months or three months of it, I couldn't work. I was laying on the couch because mm -hmm. I could barely move. Coming back to me, stronger and stronger was my call. Mm -hmm. you, you need to be serving me. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You need to be serving me. Well, I talked to my mentor, Bill Collins, about it. And he was very supportive of the idea. So I began to pray about, well, what do I do? How do I do that? And he urged me to go to seminary. And he had uh, catalogs from probably half a dozen or more different seminaries. And he gave a four or five, six of them to me that he thought might be appropriate for me, knowing me. And said, take these home and study them and see if anything stands out to you. Well, I, I did that. And one of them was Asbury Theological Seminary. No mm -hmm. more. It's funny because the church I was going to was a community church. It was Congregational and Presbyterian. Nothing to do with Methodist. Although, rather, Reverend Bill Collins grew up in the Methodist church and first <laughs> served the Methodist church. Okay. Well, I, I, it got to the point where I couldn't even look at the others. I knew that was it. If I was going to go to seminary, it was going to be there. Right. I applied to them with the full conviction that because I had not, some of I didn't have most of the normal college prerequisites because my college was, well, first year was psychology, and then after that was photography. So I didn't have a lot of the stuff that most people going to seminary would have. So I probably wouldn't be accepted. And lo and behold, behold I was. <laughs> and uh, as my understanding of that call grew, so did my understanding that, well, if the Lord wanted me in, in a church, he would, it would be up to him to work it out. 